The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Definitely talks about the sin of people and the judgment of God, but it also offers a promise of mercy for those who will turn to the Lord. Hi, we are in the book of Micah, the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 2, and this is Alex McFarlane along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we're so glad you are listening. Bert, uh, Micah uh, sounds like a book for our times in many ways, doesn't it? It does, and it's, it's contained with three sermons, and each one of those sermons is very strong. We talked about that yesterday, and uh, we're going to get into the second sermon in chapter 3, but it is a, a, a book for our day. But notice this. I just think it's worthy of people knowing. Uh, I don't know how different people, you know, study a book. I have to kind of get an outline of it. I I think in a skeleton, and then you add the, the muscle and the sinew, and, the, you know, it helps me to mm-hmm. see. And you can do that easier with smaller books than you do larger books. But notice chapter 1, verse 2, hear all you peoples. That's the introduction to the first sermon, chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 3, hear now, O heads of Jacob. And that's the introduction to sermon number 2, and it's three uh, chapters in it. And then in chapters 6 and 7, hear this. Hear now what the Lord says. So each Mm. time, I I think what made me think of that is it's a message for our day. I think we need to hear it, Alex. And in each one of these, he says, hear this, listen, uh, don't ignore. And it reminds me of he who has ears, let him hear. So I think it is a book for our day concerning false teaching, uh, concerning the living ungodly lives and expecting to be blessed. Uh, I think it has a message for us, Alex. You are right. Well, you know, uh, yesterday we were kind of wrapping up uh, verses uh, 4 and 5, and it was talking about that God says disaster is going to come and there's going to be a proverb. People say, you know, they, they have this lamentation, we are utterly destroyed. He has changed the heritage of my people, how he has removed it from me, to a turncoat he has divided our fields. You know, there's a, a, a lot of meaning in the word proverb or byword. Sometimes the Old Testament will talk about becoming a byword or like, like a saying. And we, we even use those kind of things now. We'll say, oh, well, you know, that, that guy, he's an old so-and-so, you know, this or that happened. And in terms of falling under the judgment of God and your heritage and your national identity being lost and your children not having all the things that descendants usually inherit, all right, Israel is, you know, being, this is really Judah, the southern kingdom, but I'm speaking about all of Israel really because they were called out by God to come into uh, nationality and bring forth the Messiah. And all these promises of their national identity and their relationship with God hangs in jeopardy. But I think about that when I read, you know, um, verses 4 and 5. A great America, the red, white, and blue, the land of the free. What if our kids and grandkids don't inherit that? 
What if our kids and grandkids grow up on the North American continent in a Marxist state? That would be tragic, wouldn't it? It if, would be. Yeah. If traitors to the nation inherited our family fields and legacy, well, that that's sad to think of. It's very sad for the people of the southern kingdom to think about. And then we talked yesterday about how the preachers are, not only were they not preaching, the people said, don't prophesy. And let's um, look at verse 8. Lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You pull off the robe with the garment from those who trust you as they pass by. In other words, people pass by and they trust you and you rip their clothes off. Like men return from war, the women of my people you cast out from their pleasant houses, from their children. You have taken away my glory forever. All right, we see national uh, breakdown. We see spiritual backsliddenness and apostasy. We really see societal anarchy. These are some of the characteristics of a people that have turned away from God. And it goes from one to another, from generation to generation. It goes from what it says in verse 9, the women of my people, you're cast out. And then it talks about from their children, you have taken away my glory. In other words, from one generation to another, it has been passed down that which is evil, that which is difficult and hard. And if we're not careful, we'll do that in our own families. We'll do it in denominations as they'll grow weaker. I remember one of your mentors, Dr. Jar- Jerry Falwell, was talking about that what happened, if you can remember, to the Ivy League schools, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, others, they were started in God-honoring fashion, and their mm-hmm. chief desire was evangelism, to try to prepare preachers and others to share the gospel with those that they come in contact with. But look how they have, quote, fallen. And so this is a tendency to to drift. There's a tendency to drift in everything. And like you said, uh, America, yes, I would say churches, uh, yes, families, there's a tendency. I found this out to be true, and you'll find it more often. It's not necessarily a principle. It's just a tendency, and that is what I call generational drift. Look, if Mm. you would, at David, who had a God, a whole heart for God, a man after God's heart. Then his son Solomon, yes, he was a follower, but yet he was divided, you know, and he had some great wisdom when he was following God. But at the same time, because of that drift, he his heart was taken away. And then the third generation was Rehoboam, and Rehoboam completely denied God. You'll find a tendency, and I think you have to fight against that, Alex, uh, because what you'll do, you will live on on the what what the fut- what the former generation gave you you have a yes. tendency to take it for granted and that's mm-hmm. what they were doing here they were taking the promises of god for granted and not living up to the precepts that they originally said in their fathers what you have said we will obey so alex they had completely uh turned away from god's heart and they were only performing God's rituals. Yeah, you know, Bert, that was so well said. And we've got to remember, remind ourselves and, you know, every generation, uh, the Word of God means what it says. I mean, the, the Bible really does mean all those things it says. Um, the wicked shall be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God. 
Well, that's true. And, and I think, Bert, and I, I want to get back to Micah chapter 2, but here in America we've had, oh, let's, just, let's call it home court advantage. There's been such a Christian presence in our country for so long, and that's blessed us with stability and prosperity. There's been such a Christian residue in America that I think we've often taken it for granted and assumed it'll always be like that. But if godliness and truth and the biblical worldview, if that is not passed on and nurtured, uh, it will be lost, won't it? It will be, and failure will come. Now, notice what he says in 10 and 11. Arise and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is defiled. It shall destroy you, even with utter destruction. If a man should walk in a false spirit and speak a lie, you need to really underline verse 11, a false spirit and speak a lie, saying, I will prophesy to you of wine and drink, even he would be the prattler of this people. In other words, they were speaking lies. They were saying, go ahead and live your life. But because it's defiled, destruction is coming and it will follow. Alex, disobedience does not bring blessing. You know, mm, it no. just does not. It brings a curse. You remember Moses, he would preach and he'd say, I set before you two ways, a cursing and a blessing. And that is the choices. And because of the choices that these people were making here in the southern kingdom of Judah, destruction was at hand. Exactly. But you know what? Um, there's a promise interspersed with this of, of restoration. Amen. Uh, verses 12 <laughs> and 13. Uh, chapter 2 concludes, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I'll put them together like a sheep of the fold, like a flock in the midst of their pasture. And let's remember, uh, God does, by his mercy, treat us like a shepherd and sheep. They will make a loud noise because of so many people. And by the way, let me just say this in verse 12. Whenever you see the phrase, in the midst, very often uh, midst it connotes some sort of blessing. Yeah. You know, in the midst of God's people, uh, in the midst of the garden, and here in the midst of pasture, because when you're in the middle, the midst means you've got plenty of room, plenty of buffer all around. So God is saying, look, there's going to be this restoration, uh, like in the midst of a pasture will be this large flock. Make a loud noise because of so many. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out. Here is Micah, the wordsmith again. Uh, Bert, <laughs> yes. The one who breaks open will come up before all these sheep, and they will break out. Yeah. Now, Bert, if we think about it, in a lot of ways, God breaks things open for us. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, he, he, he goes blesses. before us, doesn't he? He goes before he, us. He really does. Yeah. And he's got the power. And we, we break out with praise and singing. We get to a place of blessing. We come up to another level. Why? Because God did it for us. And so we who receive things, and I'm looking at this in the Hebrew, it really means we who have received were able to receive by the one who was powerful enough to offer so that we would receive. Amen. When you read this, I, I, I get two uh, gatherings. Notice the 
words in verse 12, assemble and then gather. In other words, there is going to be Babylon. Matter of fact, uh, it tells they're going to depart into Babylon. Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 10 says, and you shall go even to Babylon. I mean, that was, and Babylon wasn't even real strong that time. It was Assyria that was strong. But they're going to be taken into Babylon, but God's going to gather them back. But then he's going to gather them back again. So these verses in 12 and 13 have, I'm just going to go say it has dual prophecy. There's one that will happen immediately, but there's one that's going to take place gloriously at the end when they're gathered together and, and they're going to be there. Another word that you want to look at is the word remnant. God has a remnant even in this time of horrible, horrible ways God always has a people that is living for the Lord. You remember when Jesus came, uh, Simeon and Anna, uh, the, the, they, you know, they were expecting. So there's always that remnant, Alex. And I praise God that God does not forget that remnant, even though it may be small. Amen. They will break out. They'll pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them praise with the Lord. Lord at their head. Again, a wordplay. Uh, there might be an earthly leader that Israel wanted a king. God allowed them to have a king, so great kings like David and Solomon. But the real king, the Lord, is right at their head with them. Amen. He is leading the way. We pray that he's leading in your life, that there's been a time when he came in and was Lord of your life, and he continues to bless and guard you. We're going to continue, and Micah, we'll start finish up and look in chapter 3. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Justin Maxson, Deputy Undersecretary for Rural Development at the Department of Agriculture. His office helps improve the economy and quality of life in rural America. Psalm 104.14 reminds us of God's plans for prosperity in rural lands. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Justin Maxson as he works on behalf of rural America. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. We relate to God in personal ways because the Bible tells us He's a personal God. But Dr. Tony Evans says He's still God with a nature very different from our own. How different? We'll find out today as we spend two minutes with Tony. He is an eternal being because he is who he is, and the Bible says, and he changes not. That's very important. He is not only who he is, he is consistently who he is. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8. That's why the Bible says God does not change. In his nature, he cannot change because he is who he is. Now, you can't say that. Because you are not now what you used to be. You used to be a baby. Now you're an adult. 
You used to be this, and now you're that. You used to have hair, now you don't. You used to look good, now you don't. I mean, I mean, you cannot declare yourself to be changeless. You are in an ever-changing mode. God does not change, listen to this, because he does not need anything outside of himself to keep him going. He's self-generating. The sun doesn't have to look for fire to stay hot, and water doesn't have to look for moisture to be wet. It's built into the nature of the thing. It's built into the nature of God to be who he is and to forever be that way because he changes not. But there is one way in which God changes, and Dr. Evans will tell us about that next time. Till then, check out the latest edition of our half-hour daily program and sign up for his free weekly email devotional when you visit TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're in Micah. We're finishing up chapter 2, about to go into chapter 3, which is the second message that we have that, that Micah delivers. And it says, Hear now, O heads of Jacob. Now, Alex, this seems to be the, the centerpiece of what he's getting out. He is going to, I'm going to use the word unload on, yeah. on the leaders uh, of that nation, and listen to, I think I'm going to skip over, and you can come back to verse 1, but listen to verse 2. You who hate good and love evil. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's not, you remember his contemporary Amos? He had something uh, similar. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, no, Amos, no, yes. Amos. Amos. Yeah. And chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and, and he comes across and he says basically the same thing. Seek good and not evil that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Now here Micah says it in the negative way. It mm-hmm. says, who hate good and love evil. And Amos was admonishing them to do the opposite of that, to love good and hate evil. And I, you were talking about it earlier, being very close to what America is doing. And we had a call yesterday about politics in church. These people are speaking to the nation. We speak to the nation as well concerning what God has done. And we're saying that right now, America, I'm afraid we are hating that which is good and loving that which is evil. It's coming across clearer than I want it to be, brother. Oh, man, preach it. Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet 
forbidder. See, some of the biblical prophets, um, they they would write in what are called like parallelisms. If you do this, then there'll be this, or if you do that, there'll be that. And so it's, you know, hate good and love evil. That's what these people were doing. They should love good and hate evil. Uh, but there's very graphic imagery in chapter 3. It says, uh, you who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones, chop them in pieces like meat in the pot, like flesh for the cauldron. Now, this is graphic to think about, but this is just, um, for one thing, to the Jewish people who had the moral law of God, we call it natural law, the law of Moses, the idea of cannibalism would have been abhorrent. But what Micah is saying here under the guidance of the Holy Spirit is, look, your sin is as grievous and and unspeakably evil as something like uh, genocide and cannibalism. Uh, then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will not even he will even hide his face from them at that time. Why? Because they have been evil in their deeds. Now, we've talked about this before, and we'll get to verse 5 of Micah 3. Uh, why does God care about right behavior? Because he loves us. Remember, if everybody lived righteously, that would be a good thing, but that wouldn't aggrandize God or help God out. Part of the reason that he calls us to righteousness and from evil, it's not because he's you know, trying to make us robots or anything. God calls us to righteousness because he loves us, and he knows that sin will destroy us. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets. Well, Alex, make, before you get to that, let me make a point. I, I am okay. interrupting, but I want to note, notice who he's mainly saying this to. Verse 1, and you rulers of the house of Israel, it is not for you to know, is it not for you to know justice? The judges, the judicial system, the, the last uh, person that you want to have corrupted is that person who sits in judgment. And this mm. is what's happening. The people who sit in judgment are corrupt, and they are not only saying this is okay to treat people this way, death and robbery, they are participating themselves. That's how corrupt it got. So first, yeah. in, he, he's all the leaders, and the first ones he talks about are those who sit in judgment. Then he comes to verse 5 and does the prophets. So we're talking about the major people that should have a, a, a line up with God's judgments, and they're corrupt. Go ahead. I, just, yeah. I, I think that makes that, uh, verse 5 come alive a little more. Well, it really does. I mean, if there are two groups that you really want to be righteous with God in your community, one would be judges and leaders. The other would be your ministers. Exactly. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, but who prepare for war against him. All right. Let me say the prophets ought to put the people on the straight and narrow but yet the prophets are making the people stray. Bert, uh, is it possible for a minister to lead people astray? <laughs> oh, man, not only not preaching the Word of God, but preaching it wrongly. Uh, yes, you can corrupt. Matter of fact, uh, over in uh, 
I've did a study on Second Peter uh, in a, in First Baptist Church Baldwin. We're in the interim. I'm I'm teaching from Second Peter, and even tonight we'll get into that place where it says they misuse scriptures. There's always those false teachers that are going to abuse and misuse scriptures, and that's what the prophets were doing there. They were. They were saying, oh, we're God's promised people. And as long as we keep the rituals and do the offerings, do this and do that, we're okay with God. And and they're not looking at the heart. The prophet was to bring God's message to God's people in certain terms to let them know that they need to turn away from them, their sin and turn to God. And the prophets were doing right the opposite of that, Alex. Exactly, exactly. And hey, we need preachers of truth today. Uh, they chant peace while they chew with their teeth. Now, have you ever seen people with their jaw clenched? Or, you know, I mean, um, in every culture, even whether people speak English or whatever language, every culture has facial expressions that are dismissive or, or facial expressions that, that connote contempt or hate and and the the prophets are leading people astray saying peace peace but they chew or you know they're dismissive and hateful with their expressions who prepare for war against him i mean if you're preparing for war against god that is not the team you want to be on am i right (laughs) you're right who puts nothing into their mouths in other words these people uh, they're they're talking about what they're it's well let me put it this way it's all about what they're getting out of it not what mm-hmm. they're doing as long as they're getting their salary paid as long as they're giving the people what they want they're happy therefore you shall have night without vision you shall have darkness without divination the sun shall go down on the prophets and the days shall be dark for them so the seers shall be ashamed and the diviners abashed. Indeed, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. Their time is coming. What they're prophesying and what they do has a day of judgment coming. It reminds me of what payday someday, Alex, you know, R.G. Lee's great sermon, payday. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. it's going these prophets, even though it looks good for, for them right now, they're getting everything, and everybody's patting them on the back and saying that was good. It says the time is coming where, no, it's not going to be that way anymore. And it says the sun will go down for them. The day will be dark for them. So the seers shall be ashamed and the diviners abashed. Indeed, they shall cover all their lips, for there is no answer from God. But we could talk a lot about verse 7. You know, uh, let me say this. Um, I respect any man of God who's preaching the word as led by the Holy Spirit. But um, goodness gracious, if ever we need a clear clarion call from the pulpits of America, it's nowadays. And look, we're living in the age of homosexuality, transgenderism, our our rights and our liberties hang in the balance. And things like, uh, you know, everything from... Uh, <laughs> infrastructure bills that are full of socialistic programs and Marxism. I mean, this this ought to be the time that we're talking about salvation and citizenship, you know, our service to God and our freedom as a country. And I think if Jesus were to come back right now today, Bert, 
there are a lot of seers that would be ashamed in our country. And uh, the word abashed there means limited. Uh, And, and, you know, like an unabashed dictionary means it's unlimited. It, It answers everything. So the seers shall be ashamed and the diviners abashed. In other words, nothing more to say. They will cover their lips. There's no answer from God. Okay, verse 7, I'll say this, I'll throw it back to you. There most certainly is an answer from God. It's just that those preachers weren't telling it. (laughs) Wow. But guess what starts with verse 8? Here we have a man, a voice, crying in the wilderness, if you want to put it that way. But truly, I'm full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. That's I've got to come back to that in a minute. And of justice and might. Now, you go back to justice, take it back to verse 1. It is not for you to know justice, there to know justice. He said, I'm going to have justice and power to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Alex, notice what it starts with. I am full of power. How? Not by flesh, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It is the Spirit of the Lord. He has anointed uh, Micah. He is upon him to preach this, and he does it. And this is his second sermon. He's already preached his first sermon. I got a feeling they didn't hear it. And now he's preaching his second sermon, and it is more specific. It's more direct. But he says, it is by the Spirit of the Lord. Alex, uh, I'm not saying this is unusual, but it is not that common in the Old Testament that you have that phrase. The Spirit of the Mm -hmm. Lord is upon me. Now, in the New Testament, it comes alive, walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. But here, Micah brings this, I'm just going to say this, New Testament uh, filling into Mm -hmm. reality, even in the Old Testament. I love that phrase. Well, you know what? Um, When it transitions to verse 8 from all the false teachers, but he says, but, in other words, in contrast to all this, truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, I know you've heard me tell the story, but you remember when Billy Graham came on the scene, it, really around 1950, and he was preaching the gospel, believe in Jesus and be saved. And some of the liberals of the day felt like his message was too simplistic, and they said, well, you're, you're going to set the church back 50 years. And Billy Graham said, well, I was hoping to set it back 2,000 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. In other words, back to the message. Uh, declaring to Jacob his transgression, Israel his sin. Now hear this, you heads of the house of Israel, the rulers of the house of Israel and Jacob. All right, verse 9, this is pretty direct, isn't it? It is, completely. Now you listen to me. I can can almost hear Oliver B. Green saying that. Now hear this, you heads and rulers, you abhor justice and pervert all equity. See, if you've got an absence of justice, you've got injustice. And the perversion of all equity, there's a couple of things really meant by that. Uh, for one thing, there's, there's no morality, because we often hear the phrase equity and truth. But equity refers to the true worth of something, what's really valuable and really important. If you, let's say you have a house worth $100,000, but you owe fifty. So your equity in it is 50000 the true worth. Bert, are we living in a time without equity? In other words, in the sense of 
we've forgotten what's really valuable. We have forgotten what's really um, worthwhile and priceless and true. Alex, you go back again. Notice what it says. It's these leaders that he's talking about, the heads, the rulers. In other words, it's corrupt at the top. It, you know, uh, you know, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? The foundations is the very thing we build upon. The leaders are the ones that's announcing and making judgments, preaching, and they are corrupt. And the word pervert, he's talking about equity, it means twisted. They're twisted in their thinking. Uh, and, and I've heard that, uh, you know, they're twisted thinking, and that's exactly what they're doing. And they want to twist others who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with inequi iniquity. Her heads, now listen to this, verse 11 really comes alive, specific. Her heads judge for what? A bribe. Her priests teach for pay, and her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No harm can come unto us. Alex, they're mm. preaching a lie, and they're doing it for what? Mm. For what they can get out of it. Yes. Uh, verse 10, who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. Her heads judge for a bribe. In other words, the judges, are they'll give you any verdict you want if you're willing to pay for it. Uh, and priests teach for pay, her prophets divine for money, yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? No harm can come upon us. Bert, I mean, this is presumption of, and blindness of the worst sort. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem in ruins, the mountain of the temple laid bare like the hills of a forest. Judgment's coming. It is destruction. That's what he said. We're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. Call us with your Bible questions. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Though the pandemic disrupted family life across the U.S., some parents are grateful for one consequence. They're now homeschooling their children. Familial reasons vary greatly. Some families are responding to their children's special needs. Others seek to inculcate their Christian beliefs in their children's instruction. Some thought homeschooling would be temporary. Now they can't imagine someone else training their children. Based on U.S. Census Bureau data, the rate of homeschooling households rose to 11% by September 2020. That's more than double the rate from just six months prior. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Psalm 34, verse 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Biba, a very popular restaurant in Sacramento, California, was owned by Italian chef Biba Caggiano. When Biba died, business waned and the restaurant closed. But then some of Biba's employees opened their own restaurant. Without consent, they prepared Biba's treasured recipes and renamed them. Now they're in a legal battle with her family because you can't just take someone else's secret recipe and make it your own. And yet, in God's family, you can do just that. God wants you to use His recipe for showing unconditional, sacrificial, overcoming love to those around you. When you love the way God loves, others will taste and see that the Lord is good. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still alive. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. This is a part of the show we really, really love is when we open up the telephones, we take questions, and the number Toll-free number you can call with a Bible question is 888-589-8840. Hey, by the way, let me remind you about the AFR website, as in American Family Radio. And there's, of course, the app you can download to any mobile device. But on the AFR website, there's a, a tab called Station Map. And wherever you are in America, you can look and find the AFR station and the frequency near you. Wherever you are in the world, you can listen online, on computer or mobile device, but check out AFR.net and and you can forward the links of the shows to people. But right now the phone calls, 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear your Bible question. That is right. And first we're going to Kentucky and talk to Jake. Jake, welcome. How are you doing, Alex? Good, yeah, good. Right. Thanks um, for being with us. Well, I was I was gonna I wanted to ask you I was ask you both a question. Maybe both of you can chime in on this. Um, I'm wondering what translation or or uh, version of the Bible you would uh, recommend new believers or no matter what kind of how long they believe. Um, what would you What would you recommend they study with? Go ahead, Alex, Bert, first. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know what? I mean, there are a lot of good ones now that, and, and by the way, let me ask you this. What, what um, reading level of a person would you be talking about, a, a teenager or a grown-up, or, or what age group? Well, I'm, I'm, can, come, I'm coming from the aspect that, of um, that um, I'm just, going to make the admission i'm blind and i have very few resources hmm wow and well I, bless your have, heart and i have uh and i have you know uh, uh there there are of course uh different versions of the bible uh 
recorded on CDs and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And okay. but and I don't, but I don't have any, but I don't have any access to, uh, to, to, to uh, say something like, like you would study with, like, a, like a concordance mm-hmm. or anything like that. Right. I, I, I'm curious. How many? Um, do you have access to Braille Bible translations? Do you, Do you read Braille, brother? Because I know there are several that that are in Braille, like even like the New American Standard. Are you able to read with Braille? No, I'm. I'm. I. Uh, I listen to. Uh, I, I listen to what I. I yeah. can't read Braille anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing that I want to do, uh, and Bert, I'm going to throw to you, and, and we are so honored that you're listening. Um, I recorded an audio book for American Family Studios a couple of years called The God You Thought You Knew, uh, Exposing Ten Common Myths About Christianity. And in that, it's basically kind of a biblical worldview course, but there's a lot of Bible in it. And I'm going to get one of those uh, from the AFA store, and it'll be my joy to send that to you. If you'll give Devin your address, I'll send you this uh, audio CD that I recorded for American Family Studios. But, um, Bert, what would you recommend, well, Jake, I, I guess, by yeah, recorded? You, yeah, you were talking about versions and one that is recorded. I don't know for sure. I'd hope that uh, the English Standard Version, ESV, is recorded i do not know if i those are accurate these are good books you have those that are that are looser and those that are closer to the original and the sv does a good job at staying when i say the original i don't mean that the others are perverted but they try to get a thought more so than the word and uh so that's a good version jake if you can get that i'm hoping it is if not, Alex said, "What was that? The New American Standard Version is yeah. is is, is uh, you know video or A audio translation." Okay, yeah. that is awesome, Jake. It is one of the better ones uh, connected with uh, you know word for word, and it is mm-hmm. a good translation, brother. Thank you for yeah. listening. Hey, yeah. I, AFR has to be a blessing to to individuals who are who have you know blind and have issues so thank you jake praise the lord get that address and we'll get alex to get that to you i will yes Yes. let's go to bob in west virginia bob welcome hello guys um i have a a female relative real close to me who just finished her uh, uh, her studies on uh, bs and religious studies at uh, liberty university and she's thinking about uh, doing a little bit more and then going into chaplainship but the pastor of our small church just said, how about maybe preaching Sunday night for me? And uh, what do you think about a lady preachers, you know? Okay. Good question, Bob. Listen, I I just want to tell you, there's some examples in the New Testament of women that were uh, good teachers and speakers, and uh, Priscilla and Aquila, there's no doubt Priscilla was a teacher and uh, the, the issue would be senior pastors. That's the issue that Alex and I bring up each time. Uh, when you look at what the, quote, qualifications or guidelines uh, for that position, but women preachers, uh, K. Arthur, Alex, listen, mm-hmm. that lady divides the word of God, and I've listened to her. 
I don't know if you were old enough to know Bertha Smith or not, uh, mm. or hear her. She a little was, before my time. Oh, wow. You're talking about a godly woman and preaching or speaking, whichever way you want to say. But she'd be with Dr. Adrian Rogers, Ron Dunn, Jack Taylor. We're, we're talking about godly men, you know, from the Word of God. And Bertha Smith would be there speaking with them. She wasn't a pastor, but she you call her a teacher or a preacher. So, Bob, it's I think it's according. Alex, you go ahead. You may completely disagree, but go ahead. Well, do you know, um, even no less an authority than Dr. Jerry Falwell at Thomas Road, and, and Angie and I, we attended Thomas Road when I was in seminary and grad school for over five years. And uh, let me tell you, Sunday morning at Thomas Road, Dr. Falwell would preach, but he had different people come through like uh, K. Arthur, like Phyllis Schlafly, if you remember Phyllis Schlafly, who was a great pro-life uh, leader. Well, here's the thing. The verse in 1 Timothy 2.12 that says, uh, Not allow a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over a man. Uh, even Dr. Geisler said, here's the thing. Uh, and he didn't have a problem with a woman speaking on Sunday morning in the pulpit. Because here's the thing. If the pastor invited her and knew that she was orthodox and going to teach the Bible, uh, she hasn't usurped authority. She's still, you know, using her teaching gifts. I, th I think about Ann Graham Lotz, who spoke the final service of the Southern Baptist Convention. We were in St. Louis a few years ago, and we were backstage, and I had led a thing on biblical worldview, and we prayed, and, and she spoke. Um, you know, I don't think that uh, letting a woman bring the message on Sunday morning violates the First Timothy 2.12 uh, prohibition against a female, you know, leadership usurping over the top of the pastor. Um, I think it is possible, as long as she's being orthodox, uh, that it could be a good thing, and uh, it doesn't violate the First Timothy 2.12 necessarily. Would you agree, Bill? I agree fully with that. And Ann Graham Lotch, you know what Billy said about her? said what? the best Graham preacher was not Billy or Franklin, it was Ann. <laughs> well. Yeah, and if you hear her, you know what he was talking about. Hey, by the way, Jake, if you're still listening, uh, uh, Devin, our great producer, found out that you can go to the Version Bible app, and you have several uh, versions, translations of the Bible that you can listen to, the Y-O-U Version Bible app. So, I appreciate Devin doing that. Amen. Well, let's go to Ohio and talk to Ron. Ron, welcome. Hey, hello, Bert and Alex. The um, more I listen to you, the more amazed I am at your, uh, I don't know, knowledge of the Bible and everything. I just uh, have a thought that has came to me years ago and... Um, I just wanted to express to you and see if you have ever had a similar thought. Um, you know, I've heard all my life that, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it mention, uh, especially in Revelations and, and, and future prophecy in the United States. But I find it unusual that in the Revelations where Christ talks to each of the seven churches there that, Philadelphia is one, and finding that, you know, Philadelphia was where the origin of our country 
really began with the Constitution and all that. I just I know all the each of the parts that talk about the churches. They, you could say they all apply to us, and I think that's why it was written that way. But you know, uh, thank thank you, Ron. Let me just say the church at Philadelphia. Uh, and the city of Philadelphia was named after that city of brotherly love. And uh, if there's a connection there, I don't know it, but I agree with your second statement that all of those seven churches, they have something to say to not only each individual church, but I would say it also has something to say with society, uh, more so than a, a nation or a government. Alex, you know, we know some nations are specific. Israel is specific. We know that. Egypt was specific. But there are some things that we put into, would you say, categories? You know, mm -hmm. the nations that forget God, you know? And, uh, you know, I the let me say this. The United States of America did not catch God by surprise. Oh, they're there. No, Ben Franklin was right. Can... If, you know, if God notices what he does, how in the world does he not help us and raise up a nation? So what do you say to Ron, brother? Well, when you're reading Bible prophecy, um, the, the two nationalities that the book of Revelation most focuses on, one, of course, is Israel, but the other is Babylon, which really connotes this worldwide system of the Antichrist I mean, it's, you know, the whole wide world versus Israel. So why is America, some people say, well, maybe by this time America doesn't even exist anymore. I don't know. Um, maybe the United States is really lumped in with all the other nations that reject God in the end times. I mean, you read about the sea, the sea of nations, and really in Revelation 10 through 19, you've got Babylon and all these nations, and maybe... We're lumped in with that because America is no longer a friend of God nor Israel. But we got to remember, Revelation was completed roughly 1,550 years before America would be birthed. And part of the reason it doesn't, you know, get mentioned is because it just wouldn't have even made sense to John nor the readers, you know. Um, Israel is mentioned because Israel was and will always be the focal point of history from a nationality standpoint. But let me just say, America does exist today, and we can pray for it and evangelize, so we'll try to be as godly as long as we can. You know, it reminds me of uh, what Moses did when he came down from the mountain and the people were rebelling, and he mm -hmm. asked the question, who is on the Lord's side? Uh, I hope... Uh, you know, even if the United States is not, there's a remnant. And we talked about that remnant in the book of Micah, a uh, remnant of serving God. And we need mm -hmm. to influence as many as we can for salvation and for godliness. And that's our desire. Thank you, Ron. Mm -hmm. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Alex. Alex, welcome. <laughs> Hello? Yes, you're on, brother. Go right ahead. I I just couldn't resist going to you. Alex, our Alex is in North Carolina, and you're in North Carolina. Hello, what part of Alex. North Carolina are you in, brother? Hi, Wilmington. Okay, great. Go ahead. We have your question. Yes, um, I had a question that do um in doing the Bible that 
that when, when a person dies, do they go to heaven? Once they die, do they go to heaven? Does the Bible talks about anybody when they die, go to heaven? Okay, Alex, mm -hmm. thank you. First of all, they got to know Jesus Christ is Savior to go to heaven. I think that is assumed in your question. To have that relationship with Christ uh, is, is the most vital, important thing in the world. Alex, let me see. Does it say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? And wasn't it in Luke 16 where Lazarus was taken to Abraham's bosom immediately? Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned the 2 Corinthians 5.8 passage where Paul says, for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, you know, I'm glad you're asking this question. The Bible is the only book that definitively does tell us how to go to heaven when we die. And do you remember when Jesus was dying on the cross? This is in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Jesus told the man, the thief on the cross, who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus knew that on that cross, very soon they both would, would die. So here's the thing. Yes, people go to heaven. But it, Bert has been said, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And my friends, everybody, be prepared by putting your trust in Jesus. And whenever you die, whenever that might come along, if you've trusted Jesus, yes, you'll be in heaven. And if you have questions about that, there's a number, and they're our partners, 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. Call them. They will help you. They will answer your questions. But, Alex, thank you for calling. And uh, just know the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, hey, we can trust him. That's the bottom line. We, You trust him, and we can trust him, can't we, Alex? God is so trustworthy. Amen. And he is for you, and he loves you. Hey, you've been listening to Exploring the Word with Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. On the American Family Radio Network, we appreciate you listening. Tell somebody about American Family Radio and Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. <music>